my castaway today is somebody for who being stuck on a desert island might not make too much of a difference because they probably wouldn't know where they were anyway. Uh, whilst her sense of direction and geography might not be the best, her sense of style is absolutely unrivaled. It is, of course, Josephine Roper. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> it's okay it, it got better as it as it went on started a little bit muggy but um yeah we, we got better um how, how have you been kind of coping with um lockdown and, and isolation and everything that we're currently going through um it's been a funny one because um as a person I'm quite content with not really doing much like I spend probably a good 40 to 60 percent of my life not doing much like on my days <laughs> off if I don't have obviously I love having plans but if I don't have plans I will just be at home in my bed watching Netflix just slugging around really so the first few weeks I'd say of lockdown was actually quite nice and I enjoyed sort of having time off not really doing much um but then obviously towards later on it got a bit more like I became more restless when the weather got nice as well. Like my flat in London is quite, um, we don't have an outside, outside area. So it became quite like we felt trapped a little bit, got a bit more fed up. And yeah, so it sort of became a bit naff. But um, I have been lucky enough that my family live south east. South east? Yeah. <laughs> Living up There's to There's that reputation. classic sense of geography. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, East Sussex, um, in a town called Seaford. So um, as they sort of eased the rules of the lockdown, I was able to come home, which was really lucky. And since being home, the weather's been gorgeous. So I've just been outside sunbathing or down the beach. Um, I have been able to see a lot more of my friends like in person, which is nice, obviously at a distance, but even just seeing the, them in person was like really nice. Um, and just having... My parents are incredible cooks, so they've been able to cook for me like every night that like we have our family dinner and obviously copious amounts of wine as well. So that's been very the dream. nice. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, are, are there any things like, in particular that you've kind of really missed? I know you mentioned, you know, you said you, you found it kind of easy at the start, like just being able to take things at your own pace. But are, are there things that you've missed maybe more than you thought or, or anything like that? I think someone's already said this, but definitely hugging. Like I've missed human contact with the people I love. Like um, I was a bit naughty when I came home. I did hug my mum and dad straight away, which technically wasn't allowed, but we were just like, it is what it is. Um, obviously missing being sociable, like going out, being at, like especially during the beginning of lockdown when it was, the rules were very intense, just being able to go outside but then now we are allowed to go outside. I'm finding I'm not going out as much because I think it's it's definitely a, the grass is greener, sort of always wanting what you can't have, which I think I've noticed about myself a lot during this period. <laughs> but um, yeah, just friends, work as well. I did really, I really enjoyed my job. So I really missed my people and the doing the job and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that's, I think just having a routine that's one thing I've sort of struggled with. I like like having structure to my life. So I've missed having that, I believe, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the, the 
having that extended period of time really does make you kind of realize maybe a lot of things that you either enjoy doing or, or miss or whatever um is there anything kind of new that you've like picked up has it just been a lot of a lot of netflix like tv series and stuff you've been able to explore yeah yeah i don't really i mean at the beginning i jumped in the in on the craze of everyone baking so I was making banana bread, lemon drizzle, stuff like that, just as there was a sh- the shortage of flour as well. So that came at a great time. Um, but no, I haven't like, I've, I've known loads of people that are sort of using this time wisely and I don't feel like I have been. <laughs> One thing I have been doing is reading while I've been sunbathing, but that's sort of the only time I ever really read anyway. So yeah, just lots of watching Netflix and Amazon Prime and listening to music. <laughs> I think that's all good. You know what you said about people using their time wisely. I think as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, that yeah. that is using your time wisely. You know, it's we've not come across this. So how are you supposed to know what to do? Exactly. With it? Yeah. Yeah. For for the music, do you think have you been kind of like re-listening to like a lot of older stuff, or have you tried to use the time to like discover new things? Well, um, I mean, I've always been very loyal to Apple Music. Mm-hmm. But everyone I know uses Spotify and swears by Spotify. And I just was very anti it for a while. I was like, no, I was being very stubborn. I was just like, no, this is, I like Apple music. I'm fine. And it wasn't until the beginning of lockdown that I was like, right, I know Spotify is really good for like playlists and stuff. And I wanted to sort of discover new music. So I joined Spotify and now like, I love it and I won't, I still use Apple music, but yeah, like Spotify is the one. Um, and I did just sort of, I did a bit of both. Like I did listen to a lot of my old sort of music and like sort of times back from when I was in school and all of that. But then also, so yeah, discovering new bands and new sort of music and songs that I really enjoy and have been listening to a lot of during lockdown. So yeah, a bit of, a bit of both. Good stuff. Well, on that topic, um, it's time for your first song of the day. What are we going to hear? So this song, um, I actually was a band that I discovered at the beginning of lockdown through sort of Spotify. Um, they're kind of like, they give me, I guess, indie pop slash country vibes. <laughs> like this song in particular is a cover, um, but the harmonies in it, I think are beautiful. I think it's a really nice song. And it's kind of like in honor of lockdown because every time I hear this song now, it just reminds me of being in my flat in London, sort of sitting around wondering what to do <laughs> and then also being at home here in like Seaford and um, sunbathing and reading my book and relaxing so yeah this is a song for that you got that good good baby don't you got that good good baby don't you Yeah. 
that was Motivations by Muna. So you mentioned that you're kind of back home in Seaford. Um, is that kind of, have you always lived there, always grown up there? No, so um, I grew up in North London, in Edgware, um, till I was about 11. And then we did, we moved down to Seaford, but we lived somewhere else in Seaford, like a different part of it, um, for a good couple of years. And then we moved down to the house we're in now currently. Um, but I mean, I always, I do love being by the sea, like it's amazing, but I definitely consider myself a city girl. I definitely feel like London's where I belong and like I, it's just in my blood considering where I grew up there. So yeah, I definitely, it's nice. I think my parents said they did it the wrong way around. So they sort of feel like they should have lived down here when we were younger and then moved to London as we got older. But obviously they did it the other way around. And I don't, I don't, I think I like the way we did it. And it sort of gives me a chance that I've done a bit of both in my life. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Do you know, was there any particular reason for kind of moving down to Seaford? Was it just a case of getting out of the city and fresh air and stuff like that, being by the sea? No, so it was um, job-wise for my dad. So he got a job down in Brighton. Um, So we did end up moving because of that. And it was, I think it was ended up being quite a big decision for my parents because they'd only ever lived in London um well while we me and my brother were younger um so I think it was a bit of a hard decision but I was yeah I was said I was about 11 so I was still quite young and I didn't really I obviously knew we were moving and we were leaving and we were moving somewhere completely new and I'd have to start a new school and stuff but yeah I didn't it didn't really like I sort of adapted quite easily and quite well so it wasn't ever a problem but um, but it was quite. We moved down because my dad got a job in Brighton, and I think I believe after about a year, he then got a job back in London. So it was a bit okay. <laughs> a bit of a silly move, but um, but we stayed here and we loved it. So mm, no, fair enough. Um, you've obviously mentioned like you know it was your kind of dad's job and stuff. Can you tell us a bit just about your family, like in in general? You know what are they like, and just your kind of memories of like early childhood. Yeah. So. Um, my early memories are quite strange. I mean, we have an upbringing. My upbringing, I sort of consider it to be the bog standard, middle class sort of upbringing. Like, I'm very lucky. Like, my parents work really hard. Um, but in that case, they ended up being quite distant or quite absent from me and my brother's lives. Um, and I don't say that in, like, a negative way, but... Me and my brother spent a lot of time with childminders and after school clubs and sort of stuff like that. Um, but it's because I know it's but like as the time I didn't really know any better. I just knew my parents weren't around that much. Um, but now I can look back and totally and utterly like respect them and understand why and really admire their drive because they were just really career driven. Um, but then in that and on the flip side, it sort of meant that me and my brother were really close. Like we used to play together all the time. Like whether we were like actually playing or if we were play fighting and he was like punching, accidentally punching me in the face. Accidentally, yes. I mean, there was one time it was on purpose, I believe. But yeah, but um, he, it was lovely. Like I couldn't imagine having like a sister or uh, younger siblings or being an only child because it's always just been like, me and my brother, we've had a really good relationship. Um, we were very, we lived in a really nice sort of area where, and down our street, there were loads of um, children that were around about our age. So we played a lot outside. Um, 
And I mean, these were the days before the internet. So we were very outdoorsy. And as soon as the internet happened, that changed completely. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, like we were really rode our bikes around, very active, sort of really nice memories. Um, We never really, our sort of family holidays were quite relaxed. Like we we would always drive up to Norfolk um, and stay in my grand's caravan for two weeks. And um, on the way there, we'd listen to Harry Potter tapes. And on the way back, we'd listen to Harry Potter tapes. And it was, yeah, really nice memories of that. But it wasn't ever, we never really went abroad. Like, we were just quite low-key in the sort of family holidays. But I have some really, lo- like, nice memories of that little trip. So that were two weeks away in Norfolk. We'd go to the beaches and stuff. So, yeah, it was really, sort of, I think back to my childhood and it was a really nice time. But. I wouldn't actually say that we were the closest family. Um, I always sort of joke and say that we're your typical middle-class British family who don't talk about their feelings, uh, which is the case, unless we've had a few glasses of wine. (laughs) But it was back in uh, London. My dad would work late, so he was never in time, home in time to eat with us. So my mum would cook for me and my brother, and we'd sit in front of the TV and eat. And um, it was like this for years until we moved to Seaford and my dad then was home in time and he just put his foot down one day and was like, we are eating as a family, we're being civilised <laughs> and we have ever since. And it's something that I cherish and I definitely would want to do with my family in the future. And I think it's, we might not be the closest, but this is how we show that we are a family. And I think it's really, just really nice. Good stuff. Um, it's it's time for song number two. Um, what have you got for us? So this song I picked because um, it does just remind me of my childhood. Like I, my parents would sort of buy CDs for me and it was always like a now 40 something or whatever it was at that time. Um, and I think my first ever CD was Barbie Girl by Aqua. And so this was like the first sort of band that I got into myself. Um, and I remember for my, I think it was my eighth birthday, I got this as, um, I got the album and a portable CD player and some headphones. Um, and I remember all morning, I spent the whole morning just listening to the album over and over again. And, you know, you used to get the book with the lyrics in, I was like reading the lyrics along with each song. And I think, I think it was in the year 3000, the song, I really struggled with reading the flux capacitor at the age of eight (laughs) and someone who struggled reading anyway (laughs) I think I ended up having to I remember really struggling and having to ask my dad what it said but that's just like such a vivid memory for me Um, but this song is the first song on the album and my favourites and it's um, What I Go to School For by Busted
That was What I Go to School For by Busted. Moving on into kind of your early teen years, you mentioned, you know, you just moved down to Seaford um, and obviously changing schools. How was that for you? And, and how was school kind of in general for you? Um, what were you like at, around that time? So, yeah, like I said, moving was actually surprisingly easy for me. Like I adapted quite well. Um, the school I went into, I became friends with people quite quickly. Um, one thing, school in general was a bit of a hard time for me. Um, first of all, in primary school, um, academically, because I started noticing that I wasn't sort of reading as well as other kids or my spelling was a bit off and um, I was just a bit more slower. Oh, learn slower? <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> Um, there you go. Um, but yeah, and so my parents did take me to have um, tests for dyslexia. And I think I did three. I don't remember because I was quite young, but um, I think I did about three. And they all came out with different results. So my parents sort of decided to not really do much about it and just sort of keep an eye on me. Um, but I always remember having teachers, like TAs, sat with me either with me or like on the table that I was on sort of helping other children as well so I always did sort of have extra help and then moving on to then primary uh sec yeah secondary school I um got taken out of French to do extra English which was really sad because I actually started to really enjoy French and think I could have maybe taken it further but yeah I got taken out to do um extra English and this was just a tiny little class there's about four of us just to sort of go over the basics and really like work on that, which I think helped definitely, but it was a bit sad. Um, and then, yeah, secondary school, I <laughs> became slightly different. I uh, chopped all my hair off, dyed it <laughs> black, started listening to different types of music and um, yeah, just sort of, I guess I had an emo phase, you could call it. Um, and changed quite a bit and sort of became friends with people that were into the same sort of music and stuff. So we were sort of like a nice little tight group um, that all had the same interests. But um, it then became quite difficult because we would get bullied quite a bit because of that, um, which then led to struggling mentally. Um, I sort of started suffering from depression quite a bit, uh, which did, I mean, it was through years sevens, eight and nine, I believe, like it was quite difficult. And I did end up having quite a hard time um, and saw counsellors or like therapists and stuff, um, which then sort of continued on into my adulthood. But um, but did. Yeah. But then I think year 10 and 11 sort of things got a bit better. And I think because everyone knew we were leaving soon, everyone just was a bit nicer to each other. And like we were all just sort of friends. And I remember like when I think back to school, I don't really think about the first few years. I just think about the last few years with exams and stuff like that. Um and was a happier time and our friendship group got bigger and I met people who I'm still friends with now. Um, so it was a nicer time, definitely. Um, and grades wise, I didn't really, I did quite average. I mean, I did well, I did better than I was expecting, <laughs> but I definitely um, were average grades. But I mean, I'm quite stubborn in the sense that if I don't like something, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so which definitely came to live in um, maths and stuff like that but I think it was hard because I was always in the lower classes which tend to always have the disruptive kids yeah so it was then obviously then it was just an ongoing cycle of 
struggling but then not being able to do get better because I wasn't really learning in the classes and stuff like this so yeah school was um tricky but it also was where I I guess I discovered my love for dance so it definitely was the start of that um I think it was in a PE class one of my teachers we were doing like gymnastics or something like just irrelevant and um one of the teachers was like you should do pick GCSE dance for one of your GCSEs which I already was slightly considering um but that sort of just confirmed it for me I was like yeah like I'll definitely do that and I also picked uh drama and music as well so it was all the arts so I always found I was quite arty in that sense so yeah so it was um ended on a high I'd say definitely I'm glad to hear it and definitely interested to hear a bit more about kind of your dancing as, as you know being such a, a big passion um, but for, for now it's time for song number three uh, what have you gone for? So this song is an homage to my former self <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's My Chemical Romance I'm Not Okay and I've picked this just because I mean it's full of teenage angst as a song um but it's definitely I still listen to My Chemical Romance they I still feel sense of a huge sense of nostalgia and love and this song for me is definitely one that got me through some hard times as well so yeah this had to be in my list when I was choosing That was I'm Not Okay by My Chemical Romance. As you mentioned, ode to your kind of emo phase, uh, which I think a lot of us had. Um, but uh, so after kind of GCSE time, um, what what was next for you? Um, was it kind of going into sick form or college? Yeah, so um, it just so happened that our school had a sixth form, but for whatever reasons, they got rid of it the year that we were, oh, was it the year, either our year or the year before us, they got, they decided to get rid of it. So the only option we had really was to go to college. Um, and there were quite a few in the area, but the one that everyone basically went to was uh, Lewis College. And yeah, I remember going to the opening day and just um, going into the dance studio there and just thought, this is a cre- incredible, like, this is exactly what I want to do. Like, I was so sure of it. Um, and I think I picked... Uh, dance A-level, dance B-tech, photography and drama. And I dropped photography after the first term. <laughs> I was like, this isn't, I think I, oh, I didn't, I think I didn't come to the class where um, we got, they taught us how to use the darkroom, which obviously 
is how you develop the photos. And I, for some reason, skipped that class. So then was just behind the rest of the term and just decided it wasn't for me, really. Um, so first year, yeah, just ended up with the three subjects. And then I think by second year, I dropped drama. So then ended up just having dance in A-level and B-tech, which they were like, that's not enough. You need to pick another class. And I think I picked another, like, three different classes that I all just didn't turn up for. Like, I, I it's, th- it's that classic, if I don't like it, I don't, I'm not going to do it sort of attitude. So I ended up, luckily, I did end up getting enough credits in the end to, like, go on to university and whatnot. But, yeah, so I was a bit, bit of a dropout <laughs> during college. But it was an incredible time because I think I'd gone from this sort of I guess an emo kid like a bit of an outcast during school and then we sort of that continued in college uh, but our group got bigger like we became friends with so many more people um, who were similar to us and we always sat in the canteen and apparently I don't know if this is true but apparently we know we were known as the skittles because we all had different colored hair <laughs> I love that. So some of my friends had like yeah like blue hair. I had red hair for a long period of time. Um yeah, we were just dyeing our hairs multiple like multiple colors constantly. So yeah, I can understand the nickname. Um but it was it was just really good time. Like I was loving the dancing that we were doing. Um the group friendship was amazing. We got to like obviously go around each other's houses and party and get drunk and stuff. Like it was just yeah, like you would as a college student. Um I did sort of continued to struggle like mentally and I did start saw a lot of more therapists and counsellors and stuff which I guess contributed to my dance as well because I guess there were like 20 people in a class and to sort of feel like you were standing out or to feel like you were being seen was quite difficult I felt like I faded into the background quite a bit and I feel that sort of happened with my friendship groups as well because we all I've always been in quite big groups and I feel like sometimes I do sort of fade into the background a bit or like I'm not noticed. Um, I definitely, I know just as a person, I'm better off in smaller groups or like one-to-one with people because I can just, you know, just, I'm, I feel like I'm heard. But um, I've always had this sort of complex, which definitely came into dance as well. Do you think, I know you you kind of mentioned it's difficult to like stand out when you're doing dance and obviously that's difficult because it's something that you obviously enjoyed, you know, so much. Um, but do you think like... The, the fact that you enjoyed that is, is it partly because it's like obviously quite an expressive kind of hobby was do you think that's something that kind of drew you to it yeah I think definitely because especially same with drama I guess is you can be someone else you can like I always performing was my favorite part um so a-level dance was obviously more technical but um b-tech dance at college was we got taught a dance and we performed it and that was it And it was so easy, I guess, but it was just so much fun. And we did so many performances, um, which I just, I loved. Like my favourite memories are doing these like shows where we could just perform. And it is a case, I guess, of being someone else. And even though I would obviously be really nervous and like be stressing about messing up the dance or whatever, I would still like feel so confident and would just feel like that's like the purest version of me was when I was performing. So I think that's, I guess that's kind of what I related to in the sense that you could just become someone else. And it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's always good to hear. Um, it's time for your fourth song today. Uh, what have you got for us? Um, so I picked this song purely just because I love it. I, 
there's a saxophone in this song and I just I think saxophones are the most incredible sound like I love them um so in this song you'll hear it at the beginning but it sort of goes throughout the whole song um and it's just really powerful I think it's one of those songs where it actually makes me feel like every emotion all at once like I could feel sad I could feel happy I could feel excited I could feel relaxed like it's just like it's really I don't know I find it really powerful um and it's the kind of song that you could listen I feel like I don't drive, but if I did drive, I'd want to drive down a motorway at night, like empty, just this song blaring out the windows. Strangers in a dark room laughing at jokes they didn't quite hear. Frosted window panes cheap champagne a face appears and anything could happen in these cathedrals we roll with shadow people dance and trade their glance and walk home That was Vampires by The Midnight. So as you're kind of coming to, you know, the end of your college uh, time, did you know like what you wanted to do next? Did you have like a clear idea or was it, um, you know, something you had to think about quite a bit? Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was, again, I think with um, what I struggled with mentally, I just didn't have the confidence um, to really put myself out there um and I didn't feel like I was a good enough dancer yet to go off to university um but I don't know I I try and think back to my way of thinking then and I basically I auditioned for uh, Laban which is one of the best dance schools in London um and my foundation degree which was at Brighton Uni but it was based at my college those are the two I in like auditioned for and I think I think my train of thought was go and be like go to the best dance school like get in and do that like and or stay home basically so it's like all or nothing kind of thing and obviously I didn't get into um Laban so I did my foundation degree so it meant while all my a lot of my friends were going off to university I was staying home and living with my parents and still technically doing a university course but stay I was in my old college with my old teachers so it felt, at the time, it felt like a kind of like a bit of a failure. Um, I felt, I guess, slightly pathetic that that's that how it happened. Um, but <laughs> looking back now, actually was an incredible experience. Like it was, I'm so glad it happened the way it did, um, which is really funny how it happens like that. Like at the time, I was just like, no, this is wrong. Um, but I did, yeah, it was, I went from a class of about, yeah, 20 to a class of five. There were literally five of us in this class. And I met one, um, some incredible people, like one of them ended up being like such a close friend of mine. And we would do, we ended up in very strange 
situations, like performances wise. Like they were very, it was very arty, very contemporary, as you can sort of imagine. Like one, we did a piece in a warehouse in the middle of May, but it snowed and we were on trampolines. And it was just like, I can't even explain some of the stuff we did <laughs> in the name of contemporary <laughs> dance because it's just such a broad term and so much fits under it. But this was, we got to work with some really incredible freelance dancers that were in Brighton. We danced as a part of Brighton Fringe Festival, which is quite a big arts festival in Brighton. Um, and yeah, it just did incredible things. And as an individual, I feel like I did so much improving because in a class of five, going from, yeah, a class of 20 to a class of five, I got so much attention and criticism and just, I did develop as a dancer myself. And so I feel like that was, I feel like it was good and it was needed and I am grateful that I got to do that. Um, but yeah, at the time, yeah, it felt like it was the wrong thing. Um, and then, so that was two for two years and I was with, yeah, I was with the same teachers and they were incredible they were amazing and they like we became really close as well and we'd go out drinking and stuff like that it was just really fun and it was very emotional then sort of um deciding to leave and like go what where to go next um and it actually turned out that the foundation degree itself um has had a sort of I guess a relationship with Chichester so as it was coming to the end of the foundation degree I was like in my head I was like I'm going to Chichester like that's it like of course and it was just by chance that I was just like, I'll have, I learned my mistake before. I was like, I'll have options. I will apply to different places, loads of different places and just, you know, have my options open. Um, and I looked up dance courses in London and came across Middlesex um, and just applied. I thought it looked good. And I was like, it's just, it's just an option. Like, just give it a go. And it just so happened that my interview for Middlesex was before my Chichester one. So I went up to London, my mum brought, came with me and the university actually is in the area that my mum worked in when we lived in North London um, and her library is next door to the university. So I walked past this building that I used to go to as a child, just looking at it like it's a lot smaller than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and the university was beautiful, like the campus was amazing. Um, the course, the audition was just lovely. The teachers were amazing as well. Like I just, I don't know, something, something felt right and it kind of clicked and then it just sort of threw my head a little bit because I was so set on going to Chichester and I knew people at Chichester as well and um lots of um students do really well going to Chichester so I was sort of like oh that's thrown a spanner in the works but I'll go to the Chichester interview like audition and like see how that goes and I did and I just didn't feel the same like I just didn't have that feeling like that gut feeling that this is where I'm supposed to be. So I did just, I picked London in the end and went to Middlesex and and I'm gl glad I did because it brought me back to London. And I think that was the, the moment that I was like, I belong in London, like this is my home. So I guess that was really good. Do you think you had like a bit of an inkling that that might be the case beforehand? Obviously kind of, no, you know, having grown up in London, thinking like, oh, maybe it's, I don't know, time to go back or it would just suit you? Not in the slightest. Like I... Every time I'd go back to London for if we went, we used to go to gigs quite a lot or we'd um, go to shows and like musicals and stuff. I always, as soon as I stepped foot off the train in Victoria, I'd feel like, yes, this is like so nostalgic. Like this is London. It's amazing. Like that ho everything. But I never sort of thought 
that I'd be back there, especially alone, like sort of on my own. I definitely was very homebound. I was very dependent on my parents and still, again, wasn't very confident. But I knew that this time that it was right. It's time for song number five. Uh, What are we going to hear now? So this song is uh, by Drake. And usually I'm not the biggest fan of his music. But this song um, sort of came to me and just really stands out. Um, I think it's a beautiful song and his voice is unreal in it. And it's one of those songs that if it ever came on shuffle, I would never skip. Like I would listen to it a hundred times over and over again. So that's why I'm bringing it with me. Listen, seeing you got ritualistic. Cleansing my soul of addiction for now, cause I'm falling apart. Yep, tension between us, just like picket fences. You got issues that I won't mention for now, cause we're falling apart. Passionate from miles away. Passive with the things you say Passing up on my always I can't blame you, no No Passionate from miles away Passive with the things you say Passing up on my always I can't blame you, no That was Passion Fruit by Drake. Did you find kind of moving to London to be like quite a big deal? Were you quite nervous about it? Or, you know, once you've made your mind up and you said how it just clicked for you, was it, you know, just a, a kind of logical, easy, like next step? Or, or were there some nerves there? Um, yeah, there definitely was nerves. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said, it just felt right. So I knew it was what I needed to do. Um. I think I went to the pub with my friend the night, the day before. And I was walking through town and I was just sort of looking at Seaford, you know, having one of those moments where you're just looking like, oh, I'm moving on. Like it was, it was so cheesy, but I just had this one of these moments where I was like, yes, this is like, I'm getting on with my life sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I was very nervous. Luckily, my parents, both my parents drove me up. Like we packed, we'd gone to Ikea and got loads of bits like you do when you go to university. And Classic. Yeah. And um, and yeah, and we did. And we, uh, they drove me up and we got to my uh, halls that I was staying in. And because technically I was um, at the audition, they, I was applying for my third year. So I was only meant to be there one year to finish off my whole three with my foundation degree. But they basically said, like, if you wanted to, you could do your second year again, technically, and do be at Middlesex for two years. And I just thought, why not? Like, extra year training, like, can't do me any wrong, like, go for it. And so I, the first year, yeah, I stayed in halls. And <laughs> we drove up, and it was in a place called Cricklewood, which, if you know Cricklewood, isn't the nicest area. Um, but... It's it was home for the year and it was great and but the halls kind of looked like a prison like they had these um sort of gates these like barbed wire almost <laughs> going Both up well. <laughs> yeah going up in front of it and a big gate to sort of drive into 
But I think I think I was more excited than nervous. I think I was ready to do it. Um, and you do the whole classic thing of sort of going into the kitchen, sort of meeting everyone. Like my parents um, made me my favourite pasta and had it in a Tupperware for me and left me in the room to unpack. And I, I think, you know, you had that mo- I had that moment where I was sat in my room like, this is it. <laughs> this is the start of the new chapter sort of thing. And I think, oh, it was awful. It was funny because I did, I went to the kitchen at one point to make the pasta and chucked it in the microwave and people were in the kitchen and was just like, we're going out. Do you want to come with? And I was like, oh no, it's fine. I've got pasta. Like I'm going <laughs> to chill in my room. And I got back to my room and I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is your moment. This is the moment that like makes or breaks you. And I was like, snap out of it and go. And so I literally, I ate the pasta really quickly. Of course, I wasn't going to let it go to waste. And, um, and, uh, good call. Yeah. And did, and yeah, and did. And I went out and I mean, it wasn't the best night out ever, but it was the first night out in London as a student with people in my halls. And it was, it was fun. It was good, but I did have to have that moment of sort yourself out. (laughs) Like, come on, (laughs) which I think everyone did. Yeah. Was it, was it quite easy to kind of meet and like get to know, you know, the people in your halls? Um, was it just a random collection? It wasn't, I guess it wasn't people like all doing the same course or anything so like it that. It was actually quite strange because it was in the end, like um, there okay. was about 18 of us in one that all shared one kitchen. Um, and majority of them, I'd say about 80% were girls and were dance students. So there was only the odd few boy who did like languages and then other people that did photography. So it was, yeah, it was mainly dancers and they were all girls in their first year, um, which was good because I could, uh, they sort of understood what I was going through and we could bond over that, but also ended up not being the best environment because it was very, all being quite young girls, you can imagine there was a lot of drama and being one year older, I sort of was felt like I was above that. Not above that, but I was definitely have, didn't have time for that sort of stuff. Um, so I didn't really bond with anyone that... I was never that close with anyone, apart from one girl, um, who now is my housemate. <laughs> and we've lived together ever since halls. Um, and she's an absolute nightmare, but she's one of my best friends and I love her to bits. But... Yeah, we bonded over the fact that we were literally, I think we were walking to the SU one night and she said she was from a small seaside town. And I had that moment, like, I'm from a small seaside town. Like, where do you live? And she was like, Eastbourne. And I was like, I live in Seaford. And we just, I think (laughs) it was that moment and we just like clicked and it was, yeah, and that we knew we were going to be friends from that point on. And we did, we like, she was the same sort of situation like the year above, so she was my age and didn't really click with any of the other girls and struggled to fit in and she's quite a shy girl so she sort of I think we did just sort of bond and we became a friend like very close friends from the get-go so it was just like we had each other which was really nice do you think it's interesting kind of that you know from very similar parts of the world and uh, do you think it's coincidence then that you like clicked so much or or do you think that kind of has a, a factor in it I think it I well, I mean I don't know I'm a big believer in fate and everything happens for a reason so I like to think that we were brought into each other's lives to sort of for that reason but then also it could just be a huge coincidence like <laughs> the east sussex is a big place and but we it was, it was nice because it i think it meant we had something in common straight away and we knew we had and we knew of people that were in each other's lives so it was i think it was yeah it sort of made 
becoming friends easier. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, it's time for your sixth song of the afternoon. What have you got for us? Um, so this song I believe to be a bit of a rogue decision, <laughs> and I kept putting it in my list and taking it out again and putting it in and taking it out. And I think the reason I wanted this song in is because it reminds me of um, a memory of being in Ireland with one of my best friends. And um, we'd done a road road trip around the whole um, west coast of Ireland. And it was the end of the day. We were driving to the next, our next like sort of pit stop. We were absolutely knackered. And for some reason, this song came on the radio and we just started, I don't know how, we just got so much energy and we just started singing it at the tops of our lungs and had the windows down. And we, it was, we were driving down a cliff edge that overlooked a beach and it was just a moment of pure joy. Like it was just so fun. And I think you can't hear this song and not belt it out. It's just one of those songs. And so I had to put it in. And it helps that it's in a really funny scene in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well, which anyone, if they haven't seen it, need to check it out. You are my fire, the one desire, believe when I say I want it that way. But we are That was I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys. Coming towards the end of your kind of time at university, did you know like what you wanted to go on and do, you know, once you'd kind of finished the course? Well, I basically didn't finish the course as such. I <laughs> basically, coming into the third year of my university course, um, I... I had a bit of a rocky time in the first year um, not really to do with dance, but more to do with like my personal life. Um, so then that kind of affected me, I think, uh, when it came to going to classes and whatnot. So then, and I think uh, we came back um, to term, the first term of um, first semester of this like, third final year. And they basically said, there are no jobs in dance unless you teach and I knew I didn't want to teach like performing has always been my love and like what I've been passionate about um so I didn't want to do that and I just sort of went home and just sort of was like I just fell out of love with dance as a t as a result I believe and I got a job as well like I have been quite lucky in my life um because I never I, my parents have been able to support me and I've done had savings and stuff like this so I've never actually really had to have a job um, but we moved into a student house and obviously rent was quite high so I needed needed a job to sort of help pay rent and stuff so 
And I just realised I had a good work ethic. I enjoyed working, I enjoyed earning my money and I enjoyed um, having a stable income. And then so uni just sort of felt like a something that was stopping me from doing that. And because I fell out of love with dance in the end, I just, yeah, sort of decided to stop going to university. So I essentially dropped out. Um, but I <laughs> dropped out of all the classes I didn't like, but kept going to the one class that I really enjoyed, which was um, a Humphrey technique, which it's hard to explain, but um, in contemporary dance, there's loads of different like techniques that you train in. It's like training like you would in the gym. And so there was this one class that I loved and the teacher was incredible. And I just kept going to that. And we did a big end of year performance, uh, which thinking about it, I was surprised I was allowed to do because I hadn't handed in my dissertation. I hadn't done any work apart from coming to this class. So, yeah, but it was a great experience. And for me, that was the end of it. Um, and yeah, and I just sort of obviously telling, breaking the news to my parents that I was dropping out of uni was difficult. And obviously everyone's not everyone agrees with my decision and I can understand why because everyone's first sort of I don't know sort of statement would be what about the money because it is a waste of money but university was never I went to uni never wanting a degree I wanted the experience I wanted the dance training and that's and that's what it was for me really and I felt like I'd got that and I've had enough and that was it for me so yeah so I then while I was at university, got a job in a makeup store. I, don't, I guess you'd call it a makeup store. It was a big nail varnish kiosk <laughs> in Stratford in Westfields. And I stood around all day trying to sell nail varnish to people. And you know those people that come up to you in shopping malls that try and like sell you things? I was that person and it was awful. But I enjoyed working. So I sort of kept at that. I picked up more hours, became more became full time. Um, and worked there for, I think, the best part of a year um, until I sort of had enough of that and wanted a change. Um, so I got a job at Topshop, which at the time was amazing because I loved fashion. I've always loved Topshop. It's like my go-to clothing place. Um, so, yeah, I got into retail and enjoyed that for a good amount of time. I mean, as much as you can enjoy retail. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has its ups and downs. Um, but... I really did enjoy it for a time being and became very close with, with quite a few people who still now are some of my closest friends. Um, and was probably there for about two and a half years until last August where I just decided, again, I had enough, wasn't really happy anymore. Um, definitely just needed a change. And um, so started looking for another job, uh, which <laughs> was scary because like, it's hard leaving a job, like going and finding a new job regardless, but then not knowing what you wanted to do. Um, and I mean, all I'd ever really done is work in, I guess, sales and retail. And I felt sort of felt like I didn't really have many skills, but you sort of don't realise the sort of skills you do have from those jobs and that what kind of like skills it takes to have those, to do those jobs properly. So, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm good at my job. <laughs> like I was good at Topshop, like I got it done. Like, so... Yeah, so I just sort of looked around. I looked at a lot, quite a lot of bar work. Um, I knew I didn't want to go to retail. There was no way, like, I was over it. Like, there was no way I was going back to retail. And it was just one evening, I saw this 
advert for a receptionist position um, for a new opening of a hotel. And um, it said there were three other existing ones in London. So I sort of looked them up and they looked obviously really cool, like quite trendy, quite edgy. Um, and I sent my CV and I got sent back this quest- weird little questionnaire that was just two questions. And one of them said, is the glass half full of half or half empty? And then the second question was, what's the reason you wake up in the morning? Or some- something along those lines. And I gave some like cheesy like over optimistic like replies it's fun <laughs> and, a cheesy um, replies with a cheesy question though yeah. let's be honest yeah exactly i think i said it, the the glass is always full or something i don't know like, I like that. <laughs> thinking outside the box yeah um and i think this was like a saturday night and then by the monday i got an interview um for the following thursday and then come thursday you went to the interview went really well um and then the woman who I had the interview with called me back that afternoon and was like, yeah, I want you. Um, all you'll have to do is have another interview with the manager who wasn't, he was on holiday at the time. So, so I had an interview with him the following week and just got the job literally like, like that. Like it was so, I was so stressed for such a long time, sort of not really knowing what I wanted to do. And just like that, I had another job and it it sounded amazing. So, so yeah. And I was over the moon. And I handed in my notice to Topshop, which was the greatest day ever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and had like leaving drinks and stuff. And I think I gave myself about two weeks in between just to have like a bit of break. Like I was able to obviously come home, see my family. Um, so that was really nice and sort of acted like a little holiday before I started. Um, and yeah, and then August last year, we started doing three weeks of training for this hotel opening which was just like mind blowing because I'd never done anything like that before. And the three weeks of training was great because, I mean, we obviously did the boring stuff like training, like using the um, sort of systems that we use. But also, I mean, one day we got paid to do a beer tour and we just went around Bermondsey and got smashed and went out in the evening and it was just like crazy. And then the following week we did like a wine tasting and again, just got smashed and I got to stay in the hotel for free just to test it out and stuff. And it was just, it was like an ex- an incredible experience. And it was an incredible company and loved, I love working there. Um, and yeah, and it was just like, it was a dream come true. And I think since last August, it was like everything sort of came into place, which was a really nice sort of feeling. It's time for your seventh song. Uh, what are we going to hear? So I picked this song because um, if you know me, um, you know I love this band. Uh, they're one of my favourite bands. So it was really quite difficult to pick a specific song. But I picked this one just because it reminds me of a time um, that I'd gone out in London with a friend and we'd gone to Fabric. Now, if you know Fabric, you know what it's renowned for. <laughs> And so um, we'd gone out and it was the next morning. I think it was like 10 a.m. in the morning. I was coming back from my friend's house. We hadn't slept. We'd spent the night partaking in narcotics, (laughs) in the nicest way to put it. Um, And so I was on my way home and uh, I had to change at uh, this stop on the DLR called called Poplar. And if you know Poplar, it's um, Poplar. That's her. It overlooks Canary Wharf which obviously is like these huge skyscrapers and it's like, I think, I think it's beautiful. 
And I remember listening to this song. This album had just come out, so I was like listening to the song. I was still off my face. <laughs> and there were all these commuters around me and I was just, and it was just like, I was listening to the song and it was just, I had like another one of those sort of moments. And obviously it probably was the drugs, but I was just looking at Canary Wharf like, wow, this is like beautiful and this is amazing. And I live in London and I'm living the dream, I guess. Like, <laughs> um, But then little did I know that a couple of like, years later, I would be living on the other side of Canary Wharf and traveling through that and seeing that view every single day. And I think it just, I have this theory that life does perform these little circles. So you might end up be somewhere you've never been before and then find yourself back there again later. And this happened with university, like with my mum's, like where we, my mum's library, like I found myself back in the same area and then same again with like Canary Wolf. And so, yeah, it's just a nice little reminder that life's about the journey. It's not about the destination, which I'm trying to live by. And this song just, yeah, is everything to me. by the 1975 see there's you know lovely hearing uh, that story and you and you kind of talk about you know the way you see life as, as a journey and not about the destination um so what do you think are kind of the next steps on your journey well um so due to lockdown and um the sort of difficult circumstances uh, recently i found out well my work obviously were struggling uh, and had to restructure the jobs and I went through a consultation process and all this and had to reapply for the position and um have an interview and stuff and I wasn't successful so it means in a month's time I will be well yeah a month's time I will be unemployed again which is a terrifying thought in itself but also the fact that I did just love the job and I love the people um and I felt like it's hard to sort of not feel like it's really unfair and like life's a bit is a bit difficult at the moment but I just there's not not much I can do like obviously no one could foresee this lockdown and the pandemic happening there are worse things going on in the world right now so I can't really sit around feeling sorry for myself but I mean obviously it's granted a little bit <laughs> but the best thing I can do is just pick myself up again and carry on and that's sort of what I'm doing but yeah, I don't really know what the future holds. Um, I don't really want to 
look for another job. If I do, it will be just a filler job until the Hoxton are hiring again. Um, and the one amaz- the amazing thing is oh, the support I've had from everyone, like my friends, my parents, like my old work colleagues, like everyone, the support and love has just been incredible. And my man- all my managers have said that the second they can have me back, they will. So I guess that's something to sort of hold on to, I suppose, and hope for. But I'm sort of trying to be realistic in the sense that that might not happen for a while. So whether I sort of get a job just for the meantime, like I could work in a supermarket or something, just, you know, just to sort of keep myself afloat, um, I'm willing to do that. But <laughs> to say what happened, what will happen in the future, I don't know. Like, I might, it'll be funny to listen back to this maybe in a year's time and sort of hear myself talking about this, but then being somewhere completely different, like, I don't know. And then... I don't know, as for, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that plans much into the future. Like, I don't really have a five-year plan or I know some people do and they know where, where they want to be in five years. Um, I think, well, I know I definitely want to be in London still. Definitely, like, I'm not ready to say goodbye to London. I think it probably will be my home for most of my life. If not, definitely another city. I've sort of vaguely spoken about sometimes like that I would love I would love to go and live in like Amsterdam or Berlin or somewhere like that for like I wouldn't be able to do it for too long but six months maybe even a year I would love to that's something I would love to do but I don't think feel like that's something I could do alone I would have to do that with someone whether a friend or some or a partner or something I suppose I would like to be in a relationship come the future like I feel I've been quite unlucky in love um, in my past uh, but I definitely feel like I'm getting to an age where I would like to try I'm trying not to have expectations like if I don't meet someone then it's not the end of the world that I'm 26 and I haven't really had a serious relationship like I enjoy my life I enjoy being single I've come to terms with that and I like it <laughs> almost to the point where the idea of being in a relationship is quite terrifying but I know that is something I want so I guess in a five years time I'd like to think that I'd be with someone thinking about moving in thinking about a future but whether or not that happens who knows and I do just yeah I just want to I'd like things obviously to think that there's going to be a time where this whole covid and lockdown is a distant memory but that might not happen for a while so yeah just looking forward to tomorrow and taking each day as it comes such a good attitude to have i mean it's it's hard enough you know planning for the future at the best of times but you know like i say we don't know what's going to be happening with this situation in a week a month so who's to say yeah what's going to happen in a year or five years um it's it's difficult to say um but what should be easier to say is your eighth song um (laughs) what's the last choice that you've uh, got for us so if you know me, you know I love the 80s. Like, I love the music, I love the movies, I love the fashion, I just love everything about it. Um, so it was quite difficult for me to pick. I had about five songs from the 80s on my list, and I dwindled it down to one, but this was 100% a no-brainer. Um, this is my song. Like, this song, just any time I hear it, it makes me want to just get up and dance and sing and it just makes me instantly happy and yeah it just I could listen to it over and over again and it's just it literally quite literally gives me life
That was I Wanna Dance With Somebody by Whitney Houston. So Joe, it's time to cast you away now, but we're not gonna cast you away fully on your own. You're going to get the Bible, uh, the full works of Shakespeare, and you can also have a book of your choice. What would you take with you? So I don't actually tend to read that often. Uh, like I said, I've been doing a bit of reading recently because I've been sunbathing, which has been lovely. Um, so the book I'm choosing is actually a book I've finished recently um, and it's called Normal People by Sally Rooney. And if you, I mean, I haven't been able to shut up about this book <laughs> for a while. I think people are quite sick of me talking about it, but I just think it's a beautiful story. Um, the I find the characters quite relatable. Um, it's quite, it's just, I think it's quite real. And it's set in Ireland, so I think it's just the sort of romance of Irelanders as well. And I just, yeah, I think it's a great story. So I'd like to take that, please. Normal People is yours. You can also have a luxury item to take with you. Uh, what would you have? Um, I struggled with this quite a bit because I was sort of deciding whether it'd be best to be practical or if it would be best to just something I want. Um, so what I've gone with, if it's allowed, I think if I do it this way, I would like to take some fairy lights, but they would, I guess, would need to either be solar panelled or have very long lasting batteries. Either or, I don't mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some solar powered um, fairy yeah. lights out there. So they are yours. Yeah, um, yeah just to... Make the nights a little bit more vibey, I guess. Exactly, because I could just, you know, make a little hut, put the fairy lights up in the trees and, you know, just be a vibe. Sounds good. Um, and if something were to happen that would put your eight tracks in danger uh, and you had the ability to save one of them, which one would you go for? I would have to go for... I mean, it's a... It's a oh, it's hard between two of them, but I think I'm going to go for Paris by 1975, just because it reminds me of that day, that morning, staring at Canary Wolf and just sort of have reassurance of life and just being in the moment. So I think, yeah, that would be my song. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for sharing your stories and your songs. It's, like I say, been an absolute pleasure. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Taking it out again and putting it in and taking it out. Title your sex tape. Yeah!